Beyond the Stethoscope, the podcast for veterinarians, healthcare providers, and busy professionals who want actionable, implementable solutions surrounding work-life balance, accomplishing your goals, and living your dreams. I'm your host, Dr. Angela Demery. I am super excited to continue my series on entrepreneurship with busy professionals who are living the life of their dreams. We are here today with September Morgan. She is the founder of the Bluegrass Baby Company. And for as long as she can remember, September has had a passion for all things pregnancy, birth, parenting, and babies. This is reflected in more than 10 years of working with families, acting as a doula, a newborn care specialist, childbirth and newborn care educator, and pediatric sleep coach. In 2015, September founded Kentuckiana's first full-service doula agency, the Louisville Area Doulas. After noticing a concerning lack of focus on the well-being of new parents compared to their focus on birth, September founded a sister brand, Bluegrass Baby Company, to hone in on supporting new families during life after baby arrives. September is passionate about supporting families through the process of becoming parents and is particularly invested in helping mothers sort through all of the judgment and conflicting information surrounding parenthood so they can bring all of the who they are into mothering their own way. Well, September resides in Louisville, Kentucky with her husband, Will, and rescue dog, Goonie. When she's not serving clients and connecting them to an amazing team of support, September enjoys exploring Louisville and traveling the country. Well, welcome, September. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yes, and your career path is so fascinating. Uh, why you decided to go ahead and start the Bluegrass Baby Company. And I was hoping you could shed a little light on how you decided to become an entrepreneur. I know this is your second company and sort of the genesis of the Bluegrass Baby Company. Yeah, so it's kind of a long and winding road. I always like to start by saying I grew up basically in a bar. And to put that (laughs) in a more obvious way on how that connects to entrepreneurship, my grandparents started a restaurant and bar, and my mom worked for them. So seeing my family working for themselves and owning their own business was really ingrained in me. From an early start, I grew up being in the kitchen of that restaurant and running around the bar room before it was, you know, nighttime bar. So seeing my family run their own thing was always within me. Um, But more specifically, how I got into birth and babies, I have always been fascinated with it. I went to college intending to be an OBGYN, wanting to go the medical route. And I'm sure you know, as a vet, that a lot of that involves um, (laughs) chemistry classes. So I took my first uh, general chemistry class, and I decided that medicine was not the route I wanted to go. I did not like that at all, (laughs) but I still loved the idea of supporting family. So I kind of bounced around from one thing to another, landed somewhat on wanting to be a nurse midwife, and became a doula on the path to doing that, and realized, oh my gosh, this is it. This is what I want to do. I want to support families, Um, and that kind of, I like, I fell into owning my own business. I wanted to do my own thing and it required me to start my own business. And I fell into entrepreneurship from there. And like my intro said, I started out being a birth doula, saw families giving birth, preparing them for that process. And through that, noticed that on the other side of things, once the baby comes, there was not a lot 
of social structure there to support them. There wasn't a lot of businesses that supported families once their babies arrived, especially seeing clients that lived far away from their own families and didn't have their moms there to support them like we used to back in the day. And a lot of them were busy professionals themselves and they had to go back to work at a very early point in their baby's lives and they were frazzled and frustrated and exhausted and all of the things and there was no one really there to help them. So I decided that that was going to be my focus. I wanted to be that person that could give them advice that wasn't biased and just support them in being who they wanted to be and kind of show them how they could integrate being this, especially mothers get a lot of the brunt of that stress, that they could be this mother that had these goals and passions and dreams outside of being a parent and that that could be integrated into that, their parenting as well. They didn't have to leave that behind or choose their family at the expense of their business, but they also didn't have to give up any of that. Let's so amazing. And to understand a little bit more about some of, you know, definitely there's so much information and so much on giving birth and that birthing process, probably because it's the scariest part, right? I yeah. <laughs> I don't have kids, but I would definitely imagine like that's that's the bigger, scarier part. Once they're alive, just keeping them alive seems a little less scary, although then then you realize how much you do and don't know and how much information and misinformation and disinformation is out there as well. Yeah. Um, you know, so what are the key services that you really offer that you feel are maybe underrepresented in the marketplace or we're not really supporting parents in what the true underlying need might be from your experience? Yeah, for sure. So on the pregnancy end of things, I do baby planning services. So that looks like things like personalized birth and baby classes rather than going into the hospital and then just sitting you down and going through this curriculum that tells you all of the hospital policies and all of that. I really like to dig into what they want their birth experience to look like and what they what they bring to the parenting table because everyone has their own unique gifts and skills and that's true whether you're going into a career or if you're going into parenting so really honing in on what do you want what things make you thrive and how you can bring that into your parenting and then some of the logistical stuff like baby gear consulting and registry consultation and curating because there's so much stuff out there that's sold to parents and kind of getting them into kind of not looking at a list of Amazon stuff that, that costs thousands of dollars and really kind of honing in on exactly what they need and simplifying that process. But really at the heart of it is our postpartum support and newborn care and our sleep coaching services. So we come into people's homes when they get home from the hospital and a lot of what we do is overnights. Um, a lot of people call it night nurse or night nanny support. I just like to call it overnight newborn care. And we just help parents get sleep because that's such a crucial necessity to life that so many new parents are missing out on. And really it impacts your life on so many levels when you're sleep deprived from causing postpartum mood disorders like postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety to making it harder to function at work when you go back to work, to contributing to marital stress, when you already have all of these things changing in your relationships. So on the early end, we just kind of step in as someone that can help take care of the baby at night so that no matter what happens, whether the baby's fussy that night or not, 
you can just go to sleep and know you'll get a full night's sleep. And then when the baby's a little bit older, getting into those later infant and toddler months and years, we do in-home sleep coaching where a sleep coach comes in and guides you through the process of teaching your baby or toddler how to sleep independently over the course of 48 to 72 hours. So a lot of what's on the market now are a ton of books, ton of blogs, ton of sleep coaches that do virtual kind of a phone call and then hand you a plan. Um, whereas we're coming in and we're walking with you through this process. And when you have a question on what to do, there's someone that's an expert in baby sleep right there with you in your home, watching the monitor with you to kind of help you understand what to do. But throughout all that, I like to think that what kind of ties it up in a pretty bow is just unbiased support. Um, we're coming in and just saying, okay, what do you want and how can we help you get there? Rather than saying you have to do this, this, and this to be a good parent. We're just here to support our clients unconditionally and whatever they want to do. I think that's so great. You touched on two super amazing things. When you said sleep support, of course, I'm thinking, oh, you're helping babies get sleep. And, you know, I, I guess it didn't occur to me that newborn babies are going to do what newborn babies do. And so there's not a whole lot of training them on how to sleep. But, yeah. you know, really the support for the parents. Oh, my gosh. You can rest and know that an expert is watching your baby. So you can yep. actually, actually sleep, not just be worried and waking up every 15 minutes because you're like, oh my gosh, is my baby okay? You know, it's not making noise. Is it sleeping? Is it not okay? But no, somebody's there and, and can really take over for that. So that's super cool. I have never heard of anybody doing that yet. Of course, again, disclaimer, I'm not a parent. I haven't had a child. So uh, probably not the space I'm looking in. And then the second thing was the unconditional support. There are so many opinions out there on social media right now. And just to think, gosh, how reassuring and relaxing. I mean, you know, you have your parents, your in-laws, you know, maybe you've got friends or other family members and everyone's offered to take a shift, which is super fantastic. But with that, you have no constants. So if you have different people helping you every week, they're all going to have different ways of doing things. And it's going to be really hard, potentially, potentially really hard, potentially not, um, to get into a regular routine and rhythm. Whereas if you're providing, you know, expert service that's all trained the same, that all sat down with you to implement your parenting plan unconditionally and, and support you. And, and even, and what, so then what happens if somebody comes to you and says, I just need help. I don't know what I need. I don't know what to do. And they don't even know where to start. You know, how, how do you step in then? Yeah. So then it's a lot of sitting and talking. I do the complete intake process with them on the phone and kind of dig in and say, guide them through the process of what do you want your life to look like? And then how can we get there? So I, I think it's really cheesy, but it kind of gets to the heart of it. When I'm on the phone with an exhausted new parent and I'm doing a sleep uh, assessment for them, I say, I have them describe what their typical 24-hour period looks like now. Usually, it's not fun, or they wouldn't be calling us. But then I say, okay, okay, this is what's going on. This is how what's going on is making you feel. Because, of course, it's about not getting sleep. But really, the root of it is you feel out of control. You feel like your life isn't yours. You feel like your body isn't yours anymore, even though you've given birth to this baby. They still need you to nurse them to sleep or rock them to sleep. You're like, you still have no space, no time to yourself, sometimes even up to a year or more after you've had this baby. Um, so then 
I get to the root of how they're feeling and how that connects to what's physically going on, I say, okay, I want you to close your eyes and pretend I handed you a magic wand. And this isn't three wishes. This is as many wishes as you want. If I handed you a magic wand, what would your ideal 24-hour period look like? Not what would just be okay or I could deal with this. I could function if it looked like this. Now, what does your ideal 24-hour period look like? And that really kind of opens up their mind to, okay, this is what I want it to look like. I want to be able to wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and feel rested. I want to know that if I go on a date night with my partner that the nanny or the babysitter or grandma or my sister can put the baby down and get them to sleep and I can enjoy a dinner by myself knowing that the baby's not going to cry until someone nurses them and I'm the only one that can nurse them. And I know I, they want to know that they can have time with their older kids at dinner. I remember helping, I was sleep coaching a client. So I was in their home and we had gotten the baby to sleep. This was the second day and the baby was doing so well. And her four-year-old was like, mommy, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy you get to have dinner with the rest of us tonight. Like helping them envision that, like that what feels like a dream world because you're so far removed from it and showing them how possible that is. That's kind of what we do when someone's like, I have no idea what I want to happen, but I know it's not what's happening now. Can you just talk a little bit about the importance of sleep and having this routine? And I know you've talked a lot about this unconventional and unbiased support and, and helping people almost trust their instincts. So can you elaborate on that idea a little bit more? Yeah, so I see this come up a lot with our clients that are busy professionals. They have their own jobs. Some of them have started their own businesses or they're kind of just in high demand careers. And they're so used to having a routine and a rhythm that really helps them function. And a lot of times when they're pregnant or when they have a new baby, people flippantly are just like, oh, well, you better get used to that being gone. Just throw that that out of the window. And that's not true. Of course, things look a little bit different when you have a baby. They're a person being added to your family, just like things look differently when you move in with a roommate or you get married, like you're integrating someone else's stuff into your life. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a way to find routine and structure around it. So we help families do that because that routine and that sleep is so important. I like to describe it as sleep is a physical need. Like if your friend who just had a baby wasn't eating because she was so busy and so stressed out and she was practically passing out and she looked pale and shaky, you would come right over with food and you'd say, you're going to sit down and you're going to eat and I'll hold the baby. I'll do whatever you need to do to make sure that you get the food that you need to function. Well, sleep is the same way, but it's the effects of sleep deprivation are so insidious and just like quietly sneak into your life that you don't notice it. You don't notice it happening to yourself. You don't notice it happening to the people around you. So you're not, that structure of support isn't there as much. Um, but it's, it's pretty serious. Like driving sleep deprived is almost as bad as driving under the influence of alcohol or any other drug. Um, when we sleep, our brains kind of process everything we went through that day our bodies heal from physical things. It helps us function the next day. And it's been through being a sleep coach that I've noticed how our society treats sleep kind of not as necessary 
scary as it is and as it is in general, not just for parents, but for everyone. Like as owning my own business, I've seen how much there is this hustle culture and like you got to get stuff done. It doesn't matter how long you need to stay up. It doesn't matter how many nights you have to pull an all nighter and you're going from your day job to working into your passion project all night long. Like that's the message that people are getting, whether it's in their careers or in their families or God forbid you're combining the two. And I just, I hate it. It's not good for people. It's not good for parents. It's not good for entrepreneurs. It's not good for creatives. Like we can't function and succeed and be happy and be our full selves when we aren't getting the sleep that we need and we are, when we aren't finding a routine that works for us. And I'm not saying that everyone has to be like a color-coded planner person, although I am that person. <laughs> um, but everyone needs some sort of routine and expectations for how their day is going to go. No, that's, that's amazing. Thank you so much for that insight. And I fully agree that, you know, everyone is like, well, you just have to do what it takes. And if sleep's what has to leave your table, then, then do that. Or if you're insistent on getting eight hours of sleep, then you can't ever do anything fun. You can't ever spend a dime that's on the business. You can't ever do like anything if you're not thinking about the business or you're just this failure as an entrepreneur. And we see this perpetuated on social media, on LinkedIn, just insanity that somebody went through and now they have a successful business. So now this is the glamorized way to go about it, right? Yes, just that glorification of busyness. And like self-care gets like, it gets a little bit of attention, but it's kind of skimmed over or just like, yeah, get a pedicure sometimes or like go do some yoga and then on the other hand, those same people are saying, and then stay up all night, work yourself to the bone, work till you literally fall over. You can sleep when you're dead. Like it's just so, even as a sleep coach, as someone who knows sleep and the importance of sleep, I still find myself falling into it as a business owner because it's so easy to, and it's so almost encouraged. Well, in the 24 hour news cycle and social media, it certainly, certainly doesn't help with the blue screens being so close to our bed at night, right? (laughs) So we can go way deep on this topic for sure. Speaking of social media, can you share a little bit about how you help people trust their own instincts? Because there's so much information out there. And, you know, I just think once upon a time, there were no hospitals, there wasn't anybody except for maybe some family around. And we somehow survived for generations and generations with very little, little knowledge. Like we're instinctively capable of figuring out how to keep a baby alive, I think. So um, if you just look at it from a very puristic, you know, perspective of what history must tell us, uh, can you share a little bit about how you can kind of help unravel some of these external influences or, you know, do we still have those instincts? What's been your experience? Uh Yeah, for sure. I think something that is missing and that I don't know how to get people back to this that makes it easier. This is something I've tried to work through and talk to parents about to help them recognize it is that we used to be in a village, right? Like if you think about those days, you grew up watching your own parents' parents. You watched your mom birth your siblings. You watched your older siblings have children and breastfeed them and be like you were just kind of in this community where everyone was helping to parent a child so even as a child yourself 
you were in it and knowing it so that when the time came for you to have your own baby, it was like second nature to you. It wasn't this foreign thing. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing that we've gotten away from that. Obviously, I don't think I mentioned this, but I don't have kids myself yet. So I, I obviously don't think it's a bad thing for women to not necessarily have a one path to be a mother and that's it. Those are your only options. But when it does come time for a person to become a parent, they don't have that, that uh, muscle memory to fall back on anymore. So it's kind of like building that up from scratch. Now, like you said, that's hard to do when there's so many influences from these perfect parents on Instagram and YouTube vloggers and even the people that you know in real life, everyone's putting their best foot face forward on social media. So you're only seeing the good stuff. You're seeing the highlight reel. And it's really hard to trust your instincts when what you're dealing with is a baby screaming next to you and what you're seeing on social media is someone's clean and perfect kid and really clean clothes on their Sunday best every day looking like they're having the best time of their life and there's a total mess around you. So I really encourage people to either one, and this is a little bit unrealistic, but try to unplug from that as much as possible. But two, since most of us live in a world where we keep up with people online, we do our jobs through social media, it's not necessarily realistic to completely get away from it, to keep it in the front of your mind that this is someone's highlight reel. You aren't seeing all the stuff that's actually happening. You aren't seeing the pile of laundry in their house that they need to fold or how much sleep they didn't get last night or how many outtakes they had before they got that perfect family picture. So to keep that in the front of your mind that that's just the tip of the iceberg that they want you to see and there's a whole lot under the surface that's going on just like in your life. So once you kind of get through that and get through seeing other people's perfection, I feel like that applies to business too. I have to remind myself of that when I see people running their businesses and their Instagram is perfectly curated and everything looks great to remind myself that they're, they're dealing with the same stuff I'm dealing with too. They just aren't putting that online. So once you get through that, it's a lot easier to then look inward and to not look for other people's validation or other people's advice and just say, what feels right to me? Am I someone who wants to breastfeed? Am I someone who wants to formula feed? Am I someone who wants to sleep with my baby in my room or do I sleep a lot better when they're out of the room? Am I someone who wants to go back to work? Am I someone who wants to start my own thing and work from home or am I someone who thrives in a corporate culture? Like there's no right or wrong answer. And when you pull away from the comparison game and from looking at what other people are doing or what other people are saying you should do, it's so much easier to tap into your own instincts and to see that. And then when you have someone next to you, whether it's someone you hire, like us, like your doulas or your newborn care specialist, or it's those few really close friends that, you know, speak truth into your life and aren't judging you, it's so much easier to do it because you have a team of support around you. I just absolutely love that. So it's not so much about our innate instincts and, and learnings growing up. And that's a good point. I never really thought about the fact that we're no longer just, it's no longer exposed. It's something that we don't really participate in growing up the same way like we would normally have been in a village back a million years ago or something. So or I should say thousands of years ago. There's my little exaggeration going. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> don't fact check that. I'm, I'm sure that's not correct. So, <laughs> but um, you did say something that I think is super interesting, and I'm sure our listeners may have some questions around, and that is that you don't yet have kids. So do you think that that's been helpful to you? Or, you know, how has that impacted your ability to provide newborn care or help in this way? Yeah, it used to be something that I was really insecure about, to be honest, like something that I felt like I was showing up at these people's houses and how could I possibly tell them to take care, how to take care of their baby when I have no idea what it looks like to be a mom. But then I really leaned into the fact that when you do something professionally, I've been with hundreds and hundreds of babies, whereas a parent's an expert in their child and I never try to take that away from them. Whereas I'm an expert in babies in general. So when you meld those two things together, it's an awesome, awesome combination of them knowing their baby, knowing their family. And when they trust their instincts, really being able to say, this is what's right for us. And then having me, an expert, come in and say, okay, this is how I've helped other people get there. This is what I know from the research and the training that I have on how to get there. And then kind of, you mentioned it earlier that when you have family and friends helping you, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing, but they're coming in and bringing all their baggage with them. They're bringing in how they raise their parents. It happens a ton with moms and mother-in-laws that are like, well, that's not the way we did it when we had babies. Like you rolled around the back of the car and you were fine. We didn't have car seats like this. We didn't do this, this, and this. Like it's, they mean well. And they're great support to have because they know you so well, but it's not usually the most unbiased support. So I like to say that sometimes the benefit of coming in as someone who doesn't have kids of my own, um, that's been doing this for years without my own personal stuff added to it, is that I can come at it from a fresh perspective and say, you know what, I don't, I honestly can't say what I would do in this scenario because I've never been there before, but this is how I can help you with that. This is how me not knowing what I would do can benefit my clients that I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you what I did when I had kids. I'm telling you how to get to where you want to be based on my experience and training rather than personal parenting experience. That is so incredibly fantastic. And I did an episode a while back on unconscious bias, where we discussed that as one of the, the things surrounding our bigger conversation. And when we don't have an experience that is ours and, and so emotionally tied as having and raising a child is for people, right? That's very emotional. So, you know, you don't want to learn that you did something wrong way back when, or, you know, that it wasn't what's in the research now, or it's like, you know, very, all of this is wrapped up with a lot of emotions, a lot of sleep deprivation, a, a lot of all of those things. And to be able to come at it with, you know, really no unconscious bias, except for the fact that you can share, well, this is what helped a hundred people. And out of those hundred people, people who shared the same things that you shared with me, this, there were three techniques. Do any of these resonate with you? You know, you can start unraveling or peeling back that onion without putting your own personal emotional ties in it. So yeah. is that what you're sharing is, is really the benefit there? Yeah, definitely. And I have some people on my team who do have their own kids and I've seen it with them. It took work for them to kind of untie 
their own parenting experience with what they were able to give in a professional setting. And that they're wonderful at it, but it did, it took work just like it does with anything. Um, and then I've seen professionals who started in this realm and then had kids and it doesn't seem to have the same impact on them because they're, they still have those years of experience and then they had their own children, but they have all of these years of experience beforehand saying, there's no one way to raise a baby. There's no one way to make a family. Like there are a million different paths to get to the same destination. And it's really what feels right to that individual person. So sometimes not having personal experience and the things that you're helping with people with helps a lot. Um, sometimes you have to work through it when you do have your own experience with it. Yeah. So Great. Well, always a lot of different perspectives. And I, I really appreciate you exploring that with me and being so open and honest for our listeners today. And so if people are super excited and think this sounds amazing, um, who is your service for? So who would benefit the most from help of the Bluegrass Baby Company? And is there a geographical limitation with your company? Yeah, so we help new and expecting parents. Um, I have people call me from the time that they just found out they're pregnant and they know they want some help on the baby end of things to people who have had a baby for a couple weeks and they're absolutely losing their mind. So there is no too early or too late to jump into this. Um, and it's for parents who are wanting a change, either a change from what they're going through or a change from what they've seen the people around them going through. They know and they own that they want, need, and deserve support. And for sleep coaching, we do travel. Like I said, it's an in-home service. It's So you have a sleep coach stay with you for 48 to 72 hours. So there's no geographical location on that. Um, we're hoping to implement a more customized way to do virtual sleep coaching as well for a group setting that kind of gets you some peer-to-peer -peer support while getting um, – uh, the help of an expert sleep coach without it just being like, okay, here's a plan, go work this and then come back and tell me how it works. It's really still that personalized support of having someone in your home. But as far as the newborn care and postpartum support services go, we do that within the Louisville, Kentucky area up into Southern Indiana, um, even as far as Lexington as well. Awesome. And you know, who, just do you think your service is not for, you know, are there, you know, mentalities of people or how, you know, who wouldn't necessarily be helped by this? Or is it just something you need to have a conversation with somebody and say, yeah, I see what you need. That's not really the service we provide. Here's where you should go to get that kind of help. Or here's some other paths to think about going down. Yeah. So we help people with all different kinds of philosophies on parenting and things like that. I kind of tongue-in-cheek like to say that if you are totally into being a martyr parent that like wants to wear being sleep-deprived and depleted as a badge of honor, I don't think that we're the best choice because we really want you to be rested and be your full self and to bring that to the table with your family and your career and your passions and all of that. So... I don't think that there's anyone who intentionally lives like that. So I, I say that jokingly, but yeah, I mean, there is no one type of parent that we help, but you have to be ready to 
to accept the support and to know that you need the support and to not, to kind of get through that hump of feeling like I need to do this all by myself or I'm failing. And if people are super excited and interested, how can they connect with you? Yeah. So you can send us a a contact form on our website, bluegrassbabyco.com. We are also on Instagram and Facebook as Bluegrass Baby Co. And all of those avenues are great ways to reach us and to chat about how we can help you. Awesome. And now it's time for my favorite part of every show, our five questions segment. Are you ready, September? I am. Awesome. So for question number one, we know that the most successful and happy people have a morning routine. What do you do each morning or evening, if you're more of an evening person, that sets your day up for a success? So shocker, as a sleep coach and people that help find routines for their babies, I love routine. So I have a morning and an evening routine. Awesome. My morning routine looks like waking up, usually around 5.45 ish. I might hit the snooze some days depending on what I need, but taking the dog out, my husband gets up, makes coffee, and then I make breakfast, usually something quick, and I sit down with my planner. And I usually block off my time at the beginning of the week, but every morning I then look at those blocks of time and then prioritize what I need to do within that time. And one thing I love about the planner setup that I have is that I also write down some daily gratitude. So I just have a square on there and I don't limit myself to a certain number of things, but I just fill that up with things that I'm grateful for. And it could be something as simple as hot coffee some days or as simple as no having a roof over my head, like just starting my day with a positive note, especially if I'm tired, especially if there's a long day ahead of me, really helps me to start my day off well and to kind of come at it from a grateful and positive and excited perspective. And then in the evening, uh, I do this because ironically, I'm not the best sleeper unless I have a routine. So I usually have a tea. I have a Spotify playlist that I made specifically for winding down. It's slower, calmer songs, Um, not necessarily classical or anything like that. It's a mix of genres. Put that on as I tidy up, get ready for bed, take vitamins, um, and then I have a completely dark room. And sometimes if I'm having trouble focusing on sleep, I'll put on white noise. And then I just go to sleep without blue screens in my face, no TV on, nothing like that, because it's really, really bad for your sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Did you start thinking down the lines of becoming a sleep coach because of the difficulties you had getting to sleep as well? Or was this totally two separate, two separate ideas? It was actually the opposite. And that by being a sleep coach and also like doing in-home newborn care and staying up all night with people's babies, I realized how terrible my sleep was and that it was a little bit hypocritical <laughs> to be help telling people this is what you should do for your baby to help with sleep so they can have lifelong good sleep habits. And I was like, not implementing those myself. And it wasn't good for me, like less from like, a oh, I'm being a hypocrite and more that, wow, if I can help other people sleep this way, why am I not giving myself the same gift? So (laughs) kind of from learning the science of sleep, I was like, oh man, I I have some stuff I need to fix. (laughs) 
That's awesome. So it's never too late to learn. It's never too late to take action and always be willing to kind of keep your eyes open and move forward that way. And I just love this idea that you're starting your day with gratitude. I always love to take a minute throughout the day, especially when I get really run down or exhausted to say, okay, what am I grateful for? And, and so I, I just love that idea of, of taking that moment. Thanks so much for sharing. Yeah. For the next two questions, I think so often we conflate the definition of success and happiness that if and when I'm successful, then I will magically be happy. And so I like to kind of break those down and ask every guest, first of all, what's your definition of success? So I like this, this image that I, you can find it Google searching it. I'm not sure exactly what it's called, but it is a Venn diagram, but with four different circles and it kind of overlaps in different places. And in the middle is your purpose. And I think that being successful is really living in your purpose where what you love, what the world needs, what you can get paid for and what you do well, all kind of combine. And there are some, a lot of times in life you live in different aspects of that, like what you love and what you do well, kind of overlapping and a passion. But if you're not getting paid for it and the world doesn't necessarily need it, it's not as much of a, like a purpose, but I think that sweet spot is right there in the middle where all of these things where you're helping others and you're helping yourself and you're giving your gift to the world, that's success. I don't like to tie it to a number or any particular thing because to some people, it's not necessarily based on anything like that. And it could be the small, quiet life where if all of those things are overlapping with each other and you're really living in that, that's success to me. I love this idea of a Venn diagram and how it feels, right, to be just living in your purpose. So yeah. amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's a perspective we haven't yet heard. So I, I'm really excited about that. And then what's your definition of happiness? Yeah, so happiness is pretty similar to that, but I think that it's important to be content where you are to have happiness. And that's kind of what I do with like my gratitude checks every morning. So you might not be in that place of living in your purpose yet. Maybe you haven't figured out what that is, or you're walking there, but you just aren't there yet. But I think when you can be content with the journey and happy, well, I guess I can't use happy in the definition of happy. <laughs> you can be grateful for your experiences and your gifts and the people around you, like, like that's happiness. I think, like you said, success and happiness shouldn't be tied together because you're not always going to be successful. We're all going to fail down and mess up and do something wrong eventually, but you can still find the bright side and the silver lining of that. And I think that that is happiness. That's also why I like to ask what those definitions are, because I hope for our listeners, it really starts to draw the picture that there's no one right answer of success mm -hmm. and that that's oftentimes shaped with um, the values we're raised with or our family values or the people we're surrounded with. But there's a lot of other perspectives. And so something that may not be valued as success in your immediate circles might be something you hear on this podcast and can really grab onto and say, oh my gosh, that is a value to me. And they just shared that that's their definition of success. So therefore I'm also successful. I don't have to feel like I haven't met some weird magic definition that, you know, three people I know have. So 
I'm, I'm just really trying to expand that and appreciate it. And, you know, I, I'd love to put this out to the listeners. Can we use the word happy in the definition of happiness? I don't know. I mean, there's no right or wrong here. So, so maybe that's possible. So let's get any, any feedback on that. And my favorite question, I think of them all, what do you know now that you wish you would have known 10 years ago? Oh, man. I wish that I had known to trust myself, kind of going back into trusting your instincts and knowing that everything that I need, I have within me. And that all it takes is tapping into that um, and knowing that I'm worthy of that success and happiness and not to block my own blessings because of some idea I had in my head about what I needed to do, who I needed to be to just trust myself and to lean into who I was. Um, and that being myself is enough. Wow. It's so funny that you said that because I have a journaling practice in the morning and I just today went through this whole idea of that there is enough, like that you have all the time, everything you need, you have. And so if you don't like something or you don't like some outcome, you can just sort of drop it and go focus on what you want and go find it and find the talents that you do have within your own space. So that might be a little bit out there and not quite what you were saying, but um, I, (laughs) I love that idea that we were born as whole people. We have everything we need and we're smart and we can figure it out. Right. Yes. Yes. I bring that into, uh, helping parents with their babies too. And like, they're not just like, like, they are small people and, but they're whole people. Like even a newborn is a whole person that has their own personality and their own ways of handling things. And so, yeah, from like the very beginning, just trust yourself and know that you have all that you need within you to accomplish. You wouldn't have the desires that you have if they weren't possible with the gifts that you have. I love to think of it that way. Oh, fantastic. That's a wonderful, wonderful phrase and quote. Thank you. And number five, what do you think is the biggest issue facing busy professionals today? Lack of sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course. Yes, yeah. I really, really think that that's it. And I think that sometimes we push ourselves so hard to accomplish the next thing as quickly as possible that we don't realize how much more efficient and happy we'd be if we just got a full night's sleep while doing that as well. And that you might be holding yourself back from the night, the next thing or enjoying the next thing. If you're pushing yourself so hard that you aren't giving your body what it needs, like it's all well and good to hit those milestones and to hit those goals that you've been striving after. But is it worth it if you're breaking your body down in the process? Yeah. Um, my answer to that is no, but I, (laughs) (laughs) there might be some people where it's yes. And then, okay, that's your thing. No judgment. I'm here for you regardless. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone needs sleep, you now know who to call. So awesome. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today, September. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Uh, no, I had a great time talking with you and I'm, I'm excited to be here. Wonderful. Thanks so much. You have a wonderful day. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Beyond the Stethoscope. I hope you are inspired to take actionable steps towards accomplishing your goals and living your dreams. 